First Thessalonians 4.14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Welcome back to Bible time. Let's pray and get started. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would again open your scriptures. Lord, we pray this over and over again, but Lord, it's, it's so necessary, Lord, that you do this, Father. Apart from your divine illumination, Lord, we cannot understand the scriptures. Lord, you inspired them. You spoke them into existence. You preserved them. We have the perfect and pure word of God. But Lord, we have no ability to understand your word, Lord, because of our carnal nature. Unless you do a miracle, Father, and open our understanding to it, Father. The natural man cannot receive the things of God. They are foolishness to him. Lord, give us discernment in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in our text, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. This is a continuation of the thought from verse 13. But I would not, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now we'll be able to hit a couple things we didn't have time to get into yesterday. One of the things I wanted to bring up, um, Lord being our helper, is this I, in this idea of ignorance is that a lot of people, you can go back and look at the lesson yesterday, that ignorance from verse um, 13, a lot of people think ignorance can be fixed with Bible school, and that's actually usually flip opposite of reality. Most of the time, whenever people go to Bible school, they become more ignorant because they get their heads filled with useless trifles and, and little stories and anecdotes and archaeological facts and Hebrew and Greek um, exegesis. Jesus and all this kind of stuff. And then instead of getting in the word of God and instead of getting knowledge of God and wisdom and understanding from God, they get a bunch of facts and a bunch of fiction and it's all mixed together and they can't tell which is which. And so they have to treat it all like it's half fact and half fiction. And when they come to the Bible, they end up coming to the Bible with the same attitude that they have to come to all of their study books and all their exegesis books and their homiletics books and all the other books that they have um, that they went through in their Bible school. And so they start to come to the Bible exactly opposite of the way that Paul said the Thessalonican church received the word. Verse 13 of chapter 2, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. So people come with all this extra baggage, and instead of receiving the word of God as the word of God, they receive it as the word of men, exactly the opposite of what this Thessalonican church um, is doing, and thereby they become even more ignorant. Did you know that it is possible to be educated and ignorant at the same time? You can be a rocket scientist, you can be an engineer working for NASA. You can be part of the moon landing team, but you can at the same time not know the first thing about eternal life and about the doctrines of holiness of Christ, of resurrection, of the um, Holy Spirit, of those things in the word of God that have eternal value. And if that's the case, then you are ignorant in God's eyes and ignorant of the things that matter the most. You can be educated in psychology. You can be educated in astrology. You can be educated in, um, as a doctor, you can be a surgeon. You can be a heart surgeon. You can be anything in this world. But if you are not full of the knowledge of God, then biblically you are ignorant. And that would be biblically ignorant. And this is a, this is a malady. This is an epidemic in our land with so-called Christians of all kinds of denominations that call themselves Christians but are biblically ignorant. They've gone to school to become veterinarians. They've gone to school to get business degrees. They've gone to school and they've gotten dental hygienist certificates. They've got welding certificates. They can do just about anything across this land. We can build whatever practically we want to build um, if we just have the time and the resources to do it. We as people, as Jesus, as God said in the word of God in the days of the Tower of Babel, um, whatever they think of doing, they can do. God said that about man, and then he confounded the languages. Well, now we have the languages being unconfounded. We have all of these electronic translators and all this stuff going in to unconfound the languages, and we see the end times hastening on, and man has knowledge increased, just like the Bible said, and man can, people, humankind can land a man on the moon. They can land a man on the moon. 
They can land a man on Mars if they want to. If enough people want to do it, it'll happen. God said in his word that whatever they think of doing, they will, they will do. And man can do that. Man can do practically anything that he sets his mind to do. God has designed man with that ability in him because man was made in the image of God. But though man could learn to do just about anything, to genetically create an animal that's been extinct or whatever else that you might be able to come up with, at the end of the day, if you do not understand God, if you do not know the Bible, if you do not understand the doctrines of the word of God, if you have not studied the word of God, you are biblically ignorant. And there is no other field of study in this world that has eternal value. The rocket ships are going to burn up. The earth is going to burn up. The farms are going to burn up. The mines are going to burn up. The seed banks are going to burn up. The genetic research laboratories are going to burn up. The International Space Station is going to burn up. All of this stuff is going to burn. It's not necessarily a bad thing to be involved with international space station research. Not necessarily. Just keep yourself from evil. But ultimately, even if you're on the international space station as one of those scientists in outer space, if you do not know God, you are biblically ignorant. And he said, we would not have you to be ignorant. A lot of times people will get a so-called burden for ignorant backwoods and mountain preachers. And that just makes me want to throw up in my mouth. These people, what will happen is this. You'll have a bunch of backwoods or mountain preachers who don't know much. And they really don't. And they have a lot of of ignorance, ignorance of grammar, ignorance of manners, ignorance of how to speak, ignorance of, of how to prepare a message. And they'll just get their Bible and they'll go out in the woods. They'll go out to the barn or they'll go out somewhere alone with God and get on their knees and seek God's face and pray. And they'll get up and they'll drawl and and they'll slobber and they'll, and they'll spit and they'll yell and they'll stomp and they'll sweat. And they'll do everything under the sun that you're not supposed to do whenever you're public speaking. And they'll have disjointed messages that don't necessarily follow any pattern that are extremely hard to follow. They'll take some scriptures out of context. But the reality is that they've been with God. And when they come out of the woods and they've got God on them, the power of God in their messages has the power to change lives and the power to help people. But these Bible school seminary guys will come along and entice them and show them how ignorant they are and entice them to their Bible school so that they can fix that ignorance with their Bible school learning. And that is not the kind of learning that you need. That is not the kind of wisdom that you need. You need the wisdom that comes from God only. There's some things you can learn about homiletics, how to prepare a sermon. There's some things you can learn about public speaking. You need to learn about context. You need to learn some basic things about how to rightly divide the word of truth, but if you have to choose between having the presence and power of God or homiletics, choose the power and the presence of God. Now it says here, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, to get actually to our text today, uh, go to Matthew 27. (coughs) We're going to look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The message today is if we believe, if we believe, do you believe today? A lot of people say, I believe, I believe it will rain. I believe, um, I believe that I will eat a burger. I believe we'll go out to eat for dinner. I believe I'll stay at the house. I believe in Santa Claus. I believe in the Yeti. I believe in the abominable snowman. People have all kinds of ideas, all kinds of beliefs. And people say, I believe about things that they don't really believe. People say, um, I love you. Uh, Do you believe me? And they might say, yes, I believe you. But the whole time they say yes, in the back of their heart inside. They're saying, I really don't know about this guy. I really have some reservations. I'm really not sure he meant what he said. A lot of times we believe things that aren't true. I've met some people that believe in some really wild things out there that have absolutely no foundation in reality. And, And guess what? They believe it. 
And they believe it enough to stake their eternity on it. They believe it enough to make decisions based off of it. There's all kinds of wild and crazy things out there to believe. Whenever the Bible talks about believing in Jesus Christ, it's talking about putting all of your faith, all of your hope, all of your trust in the reality of the literal story of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he did, why he did it, and the fact that he's still alive today. Here, Paul says, by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, if we believe. That's not a coincidence. He just got done saying to the church there that the concerning them that were um, are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. So there's this contrast between these that have no hope and those that do have hope. Those that have hope are those that believe. And he says, if we believe, do you believe today? Do you really truly believe that Jesus died and rose again in Matthew chapter 27? excuse me and verse 35 it says and they crucified him and parted his garments casting lots that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet they parted my garments among them and upon my vesture did they cast lots now without getting into it in detail Jesus there was crucified the Bible says which was done upon a cross the Bible says that the that there is an offense of the cross the Bible preaches about the cross don't let these seminary guys that think that they're so smart that they can correct God lie to you and tell you it wasn't a cross. The Bible says it was a cross. So Jesus was crucified on a cross and they parted his garments, casting lots. And there the scriptures were fulfilled. It says in sitting down, they watched him there. Now this is significant because these the, these soldiers were sent not only to nail the nails into Christ's hands and feet, not only to raise that wooden cross and drop it in its hole and stand it up there so that everyone could see Christ dying in agony. Not only were they, these soldiers, tasked with the task of bringing, of executing Jesus Christ, but they were also tasked with the job of watching him die. It was their job to make sure that he died. These guys were a um, third party. What do you what do you call it whenever you have a new drug in America and you want to get that new drug licensed with the FDA and you've got to get third party opinions about it. So you have to take it to some kind of lab that's supposedly um, unrelated to the developers so that they can test it. And then you pay them tens of thousands or millions of dollars to shade the details and change the results until you get the results you want so you can get the FDA to pass it. And then you take your extra $10,000 to the FDA and pay the governor or the governing officials their money so that they'll also pass it. And then you send it to the doctors and the hospitals and tell them it's good. And even though it's killing people and send it all over the nation, but supposedly they're supposed to get third party labs to test their stuff. People who are um, not vested in the results, people who have no skin in the game, They're not going to make money if they say no, and they're not going to make money if they say yes. They're not going to make money if they say this is good or if they say it's going to be bad. They're not going to lose favor. That's, yeah, right, when it comes to America and food and drugs and the FDA and all that kind of stuff. We all know that that's a racket, and I'll go on record saying it, and then we'll jump off of that soapbox and come and get me later. Now it'd be a lousy it'd be a lousy thing in this day and age of needing to get the gospel out to waste a whole bunch of time fighting the FDA. I don't want to do that. I just want to preach the gospel. But the reality is the reality, and the truth is the truth. So now we have um, this idea of third party witnesses. Okay, I want you to get this: people who are not affected either way. Those Roman soldiers, it was not their king on the cross. It said, "This is Jesus, the King of the Jews." Look at the next verse and set up over his head is accusation written this is jesus the king of the jews Now, they were Romans, not Jews. So this was a Jewish king who was a Jewish Messiah who came for the Jewish people as far as the Romans were concerned. Neither the Romans sitting there nor the Jews knew that Jesus was dying for the Romans. And you can see that through the rest of the book of Acts. It was a shock to both Jews and Gentiles that Jesus threw his arms wide open to the Gentiles. 
As far as these Romans were concerned, they had no skin in the game. It was just their job to take this guy that Pilate said to go crucify. And so they were going to go do their job and crucify this guy and follow their orders. And so they did it. And then they sat down and watched him. God had here ordained witnesses in order to give you a legal account. Listen to me today. We're talking about if we believe Jesus died and rose again. And now you're not asked by God to believe in some kind of fairy tale. You're not asked by God to believe that up on some mountain higher than anybody can breathe. Some man did some kind of great feat and nobody could watch him and golden tablets came down from heaven or he got some kind of angelic messenger and nobody could see what happened. And then all of a sudden he comes back and says, give me your wives. And then you have to do it like the Mormons kind of believe or the Muslims kind of believe this kind of stuff where people just get these um, weird revelations out of nowhere that they can't validate and they have no proof for and no evidence for. And you're supposed to just believe it. And then when you believe it, you'll get this burning in your bosom and your belly will start to smoke and get hot. And then you really know that this guy is right and you can sing his praises and go to hell with him and burn with Joseph Smith for eternity. That's not what Jesus Christ had us do. That's not who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ did what he did publicly. He said when they came to capture him. I was ever with you. I was ever with you in the temple and in the streets of Jerusalem. I walked through your cities. I walked through your land preaching openly and healing openly and doing miracles openly. And he says, and you come to take me in the middle of the night. And they did. And then they tried to condemn him and no witnesses could agree that he had done anything wrong. Even the false witnesses could not agree. And then finally they took him to Pilate. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Pilate sent him to Herod. Herod found nothing wrong with him. Pilate's wife said, have thou nothing to do with this just man? I've suffered many things in a dream this night because of him. Over and over again, everybody said he was not guilty. Judas, who betrayed him, came back to the um, priests and and the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and he said to them that I have betrayed the innocent blood. Jesus was sinless. Jesus was perfect, but Jesus was public. His life was public. His ministry was public. His miracles were public. His teachings were public and they found no fault in him. Old Joseph Smith got tarred and feathered and run out of town because he was raping 14 year old girls. And that's who the whole Mormon church worships, him and Brigham Young, a bunch of wife-stealing perverts and pedophiles. And we know by accurate by accurate public record that these men were were sick and wicked perverts but Jesus Christ by public record was innocent and perfect and above reproach and he's the only one that ever was You can go back to Buddha and look at his life, one of the most so-called immaculate lives ever since and you can look at the fruit of Buddha's life. What is it? Nothing but suicide suicide um I wasn't going to say narcissism, boy, that would apply too. (coughs) Asceticism, all these things that come out of these other false teachers' lives, nothing good comes out of them. But out of the life of Jesus came everlasting life. Out of the life of Jesus came eternal life. Out of the life of Jesus came hope, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, meekness, temperance. Out of the life of Jesus came everything good that could ever come and that ever has come to this world. Now, with Jesus Christ here, he's dying on the cross publicly. The soldiers are watching him there. They have no skin in the game. They are legal witnesses appointed by the governing power who didn't want to kill Jesus anyway, but the Jews demanded that he be crucified, and that man caved and sinned against God, perverting judgment, and condemned the innocent blood. He washed his hands, and he said that he would have no fault in the matter, but that's not how God looks at it. The Jews cried out, his blood be upon us and upon our children. Boy, has that been held true throughout the ages. Here, these soldiers are sitting watching Jesus die. The Bible says, if we believe that Jesus died. So here's Jesus on the cross dying, and he has witnesses who are there who are trained executioners. And it is their whole job to make sure that he dies. If he doesn't die, they will die. In those days, if you let your prisoner go, you suffer his fate. 
If Jesus had come off the cross, those soldiers would have been at risk for their life. They sat at the bottom of the cross watching Jesus, and the only vested interest they had in anything was to make sure that he died and to be able to prove it to cover their own tails. And they watched him there. Now, the Bible says in verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now, when the centurion and they that were with him, these are them watching Jesus, it says that we saw in verse 36, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly and said, truly, this was the son of God. The Bible says that Joseph of Arimathea in verse 58 went to Pilate, begged the body of Jesus and Pilate demanded that it be delivered. They took down the body and laid it in a new tomb. Verse 62. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate saying, sir, we remember that that deceiver said, well, he was yet alive after three days, I will rise again. Command and therefore that the sepulcher be made sure unto the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as ye can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. There were about 40 to a hundred disciples. Um, there were a hundred eventually in the book of Acts that gathered in the upper room after Jesus rose from the dead. So if we figure there were a hundred, then you have a hundred disciples and ten thousands of Jews and a bunch of Roman soldiers and only the hundred wanted Jesus alive. Everybody else wanted Jesus dead. Everybody else wanted Jesus to stay in the tomb. And everybody else had a vested interest in certifying that Jesus was dead. This was going to be done legally. And this was going to be done with proof. And this was going to be done with public record that Jesus died. His body wasn't just taken down from the cross. They had to go to Pilate and ask permission and get official permission, which was not granted until the centurion gave notice that Jesus was already dead. We'll see that when we look at some of the other gospels, if we have time, but let's go ahead and stick to this um, account here and finish it out real quick. John, Matthew 28 verse one, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher and behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women or to the, uh, to the women, fear not, fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying all hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Every part of this is significant. You have the soldiers, you have the Sanhedrin, you have Pilate, you have Herod, you have the Jews, you have the Pharisees, you have the scribes, and you have a motley little gang of fearful disciples that are afraid for their lives. Most of them are uneducated. They have no power, no authority, no sway. They don't have money to buy off anybody. They are the backwards, um, forsaken, hated group of people that follow Jesus. And now everybody thinks that they're losers because they followed what the world calls a liar. And here they are holding Jesus by the feet. So you have their record that they literally touched and held the, the pierced feet of Jesus Christ who rose from the dead. They felt his skin. They felt his bones. They felt his flesh. They felt the blood pulsing through his body and they said he is risen and they gave testimony. The keepers were at risk of losing their lives because the one that they had been sent to keep had escaped from their jail. One of the most unique prison breaks, the most unique prison break in the history of the world. The 
prisoner was dead, having been flogged and beaten beyond recognition. Every part of his body had been whipped, had been bruised in some manner, though not one bone of his body had been broken. He had had nails pierce his hands and his feet, and he had died, and a spear had been pushed up through his side into his heart. The Bible says, Therewith, forthwith came there water mixed with blood. That when someone dies a traumatic death, the water in their body pools around their heart. And when that centurion's spear went up in the side of Jesus and pierced that area into the heart, then the water came out around the heart. And when that spear cut through the heart, the blood rushed out down the shaft of the spear. And the centurion watched it. And the centurion, a no, a professional executioner, a professional killer, a, a soldier of long standing with the greatest army on the face of the earth in that day said that this man truly was the son of God because he saw the way he died. And that centurion and those that watched Christ certified Pilate that he was dead. They had absolutely no motivation to say that he was anything other than dead. And they had every motivation to make sure he was dead. Their lives were on the line. These keepers that had fallen as dead men when the angel appeared, they came into the city. It says in verse 11 here, well, let's look at verse 10. Then said Jesus unto them, the women that held him by the feet, be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. Verse 11. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. Why the chief priests? Why would Roman soldiers from Pilate go to the chief priests first? Because the Roman governor wasn't going to give them any mercy. These guys were in trouble. These guys needed help. There was a problem. These guys had just let their dead prisoner go. By the way, I'd, we just brushed over this earlier. And the last chapter, Pilate said to them, you have a watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as you can. <coughs> so they went and made the sepulcher sure. That means they looked inside it and certified that Jesus Christ's body was there. Now, you can say that I don't know what I'm talking about, and I can say it back at you, and we can just have a little argument if you want. But the reality is that whenever these soldiers are told to make something sure, that means check the contents. Listen, no business on the face of the earth would tell you, go make sure the money's in the bank and have you just go sit in front of the bank and never even look inside. Okay, this doesn't even work in business, much less in a, in a world superpower army that's holding a garrison in an enemy, enemy country. So here they go. They make it sure. That means they opened it. They went inside. They looked with their eyes. They felt if need be to see if the body was there. They certified that this was Jesus Christ who was crucified that's in the grave. He's still there. It was their job to verify. They were the third party group called in to verify with absolutely no motivation to declare Jesus as alive. They were called in to declare Jesus dead and to make sure that he stayed that way. If they had had the opportunity when Jesus rose from the dead, they would have tried to kill him right then because him getting away meant their lives were in danger. So here they came to the chief priests and the scribes and they came to the chief priests and told them all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers. The soldiers came back and told them this story, that an angel came down. There was an earthquake. He rolled back the stone and he sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And then they fell down like dead men. And they came and they told the chief priest this story. And the chief priest said, listen, we'll pay you big money if you'll tell what we want you to tell instead of telling the truth. And they said, okay, we'll take big money. They said, okay, verse 13, saying, say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they're saying, we'll keep you alive. If the governor even hears about it, we'll make sure that you stay alive. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. You see, they were in big trouble either way. Jesus was gone. 
And if Pilate didn't decide to believe their account, he would believe that the disciples stole the body anyway if he chose to. And if he believed that, these soldiers were in big trouble. So instead, they decided to take money and trouble and have friends in high places that could get them out of trouble. <coughs> now, and the Jews, even in 2022, will report this same. Um, six, uh, verse 16, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And we're getting into end times here. Um, not so much in this lesson, but this is preparation. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone for all end times prophecy. The risen, resurrected Jesus Christ is who the entire book of Revelation is about and by. So all of this hinges on this resurrection of Jesus. And our text says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe? You're not asked to believe in some kind of fairy tale. You're asked to believe a literal historical account of a fact, of a whole set of facts witnessed by many people. Mark 14 Mark 14 in verse um, 61. <coughs> Here's one of the clearest accounts of what Jesus said to the high priest. Listen, there's some differences in the Gospels. These differences in these accounts are not contradictory, but rather bits and pieces from different individuals' accounts, and they work together. God doesn't tell you every detail all the time. And we'll see that in John 21, 25, whenever we get there, that God didn't tell you everything that happened. So you get these different bits and pieces from each different account and then um, piece them together to have a more complete story, a more complete understanding, just like you do with any other um, legal testimony. Whenever people are asked to witness and they get up in the witness stand, each one gives his witness and then the jury sits down and lines up their witnesses and sees what agrees, and then they get the bigger picture. And that's what God is giving you here. God is giving you the legal testimony of witnesses, of credible witnesses. That's the whole point of this. God is giving you literal, legal, binding evidence that Jesus died and that he rose from the dead. So here in verse 61, Jesus held his peace, but he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him, so you'll read some accounts that say he answered nothing, and he did. There it says he answered nothing. And, and the high priest again asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? This time Jesus answered. And Jesus said, I am, and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. I am being a name of God from the burning bush with Moses. And here the, then the high priest ran his clothes and saith, What need we any further witness? Ye have heard the blasphemy, what think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and above at him and to say to him, prophesy. And so they beat him. They took him to Pilate. Um, go to chapter 15. There in chapter 15, you have his trial with Pilate. Pilate answered in verse 12 and said again unto him, what will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, crucify him. So they did. And it talks all through this section. You can read it and study it. The crucifixion of Christ, the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 25. And it was the third hour and they crucified him. And then from there, go to verse 37. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion, which stood over against him, saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. Then you have the account there in verse 43 of Joseph of Arimathea going to Pilate, craving the body of Jesus. Pilate, verse 44, marveled if he were already dead and calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been dead, been any while dead. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. This is certified evidence by a third party. 
that Jesus was dead. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead, and calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. The Bible says they laid it in the tomb on the first day of the week. They came to the sepulcher, wondering who would roll away the stone. Verse 4, and when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. That's chapter 16. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted ye seek Jesus of Nazareth which was crucified he is risen he is not here behold the place where they laid him but go your way tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee there shall ye see him as he said unto you and they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher for they trembled and were amazed neither said they anything to any man for they were afraid now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week he appeared first to Mary Magdalene out of whom he had cast seven devils and she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept and they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. You see, and this would tie in with our lesson yesterday, just to throw this in, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have not hope. Here they're sorrowing because they had no hope. And when they were given the hope that he was alive, they wouldn't believe it. God wants you to believe the hope. God wants you to lay hold on the hope. God wants you to believe having not seen. <coughs> Verse 12, after that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country and they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. Afterward, he appeared unto the 11 as they sat at meat and abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen and he gave his great commission there and then it was taken up into heaven, received up into heaven in verse 19. Go to the book of Luke um, chapter 23. Now, as, as you turn there, it says that he told them in Mark and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall, shall they cast out devils and they shall, or in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. So where is Jesus at the end of the book of Mark? It says that he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. That will be important when we um, get to the end of our verse that we're studying. We've got to keep moving fast here. So Luke 23 and verse 33 it says, and when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It says in verse 35, and the people stood beholding and the rulers also with them derided him saying, he saved others, let him save himself. So here you have not only the soldiers, but the people and not only the soldiers and the people, but the rulers themselves, the scribes, the Pharisees, the chief priests, all of these saw Jesus die. All of these gave witness to the fact that Jesus died. Look at verse 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to the site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and returned. Here they were, Witnesses. You have Joseph of Arimathea in verse 51, again, gathering the body of Jesus. And then in Luke chapter 24, verse 1, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. They did not find his body. How can this thing be so? How can this thing, young lady, how can this thing be so? How can Jesus die and be buried and then not be in the grave when they come to check? Do you believe that Jesus died and that he rose from the dead? Do you? 
They found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, they were confused what's going on. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, the other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles and their words seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. And then we find Jesus appearing to these on the road to Emmaus and then Jesus appearing them to them whenever they gather um, at meat. And we'll find this here. He says that they were back with the other disciples. Verse 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself handle me and see for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And well, they yet believed not for joy and wondered. He said unto them, have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of an honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. That's why we pray for that so much. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. So while all the people, and the chief priests and the centurion and the soldiers, witnessed Christ die, and then the soldiers witnessed Christ raise from the dead, and then they went to the chief priests who got a direct first-hand witness and rose refused to look at the evidence, refused to go and seek Jesus, but rather paid the soldiers to lie about it. Now you have the disciples of Jesus Christ. He tells them, ye are my, ye are witnesses of these things. Listen to me today. God has given you witnesses that told you the real facts of what happened. And it's your choice whether or not you're going to believe them. Just like you have to choose every day. When you're driving down the road and you see a sign that says hamburgers, a nickel apiece, are you going to believe it or not? Well, 80 years ago, I'd believe it. 60 years ago, I might believe it, but not today. But whenever you see a sign, you make a choice. Am I going to believe that sign or not? Here, you've been given the credible testimony, the witness of men who saw God. They saw God in the flesh, die on the cross, be buried, and raise again the third day. And they've been witnesses, and God has preserved their word as he promised. And here it is for you. Will you believe? Do you believe? The word of God that we're looking at in 1 Thessalonians 4.14 says, For if we believe that Jesus died. This is the basis for all hope when we're talking about the end times. This is the basis for all hope for the end times of the individual. For the end times of the saved, the end times of the individuals are death. They have no hope and they can only hope in judgment because Jesus rose from the dead. The saved have hope of resurrection because Jesus rose from the dead. The church has hope in the resurrection to be caught up with the Lord because Jesus rose from the dead. And the world has a not a good hope, but the settled, established fact of Christ's second coming and judgment of this earth because he rose from the dead with power. He said to them here, and behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing 
blessing God. Amen. John chapter 19, quickly. The flesh doesn't like so much scripture. It's good for the flesh to have to be mortified by the word of God. John 19 and verse 18. This is the place Golgotha in verse 17 where they crucified him and two other with him on either side. That means they nailed him to a cross. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. There's many more verses here in John that testify of the same things that we have just looked at. Go down to verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It says in verse 31, the Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was in high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and the other, which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe him. That's a similar statement to what you'd find in a will and a testament. Whenever someone dies and you'll open the will and you'll say, John Doe, being of a good mind and good health and sound mind, doth hereby in this will bequeath all of his earthly remains to his son and his daughter, etc., etc. John is saying, I was in the right mind. I was in good health. I know what I saw, and I saw what I know. And I'm telling you it's true, and I know that it's true, and I'm willing to die for the testimony that I'm giving. Do you believe? Will you believe? There it tells us that these things were done, that the scriptures should be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Then we have Joseph of Arimathea taking the body, laying it in the grave. Chapter 20, verse 1, Mary Magdalene came to the sepulcher while it was yet dark. Seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. She runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, um, said they took away the Lord. He came and he looked and the disciples, they looked, Simon Peter and that other disciple, which is John, the author of this gospel of John. They looked in the sepulcher and they saw the linen clothes lie and the napkin wrapped together in a place by itself. And it says, he saw and believed for as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and see of two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned her herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. She saw Jesus standing and she knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener saith unto him, sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say master. Jesus saith unto her, touch me not for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. What a miracle. The miracle of the resurrection secures to us the miracle of adoption. To my brethren, he said. Hallelujah. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Wouldn't you be glad you saw them whip him? You saw them kill him or it looked like they killed him, but he gave up the ghost. He laid down his life. You saw his body laid in the tomb and now you see him standing in front of you. This is our hope, Christians. If he rose, so will I. This is our hope. 
Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So much doctrine here. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side where the spear went up. I will not believe, he said. And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. Hallelujah. All those out there that would deny that Jesus Christ is God and yet say that he's a good man evidently love blasphemers and liars because if Jesus was not God and yet received worship as God, he was one of the worst charlatans, trickers, and liars that ever lived. But he is God, and he was worthy of this worship that Thomas gave him, and it's the worship that I give my Lord Jesus today. Jesus Christ, you are my Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Do you believe? Have you seen him? Have you gotten to see Jesus Christ yourself? Now, I'm not talking about some kind of um, apparent vision or something you may have thought to experience, but I'm talking about the literal risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I have not seen him, but I believe. And Jesus said, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. What do you believe anyway? Do you believe your own feelings? Do you believe a fable? Do you believe a fairy tale? Or do you believe the credible testimony of reliable witnesses given by God and the holy word of God and passed down through the ages by the church of the living God in spite of the Catholic church and all its attempts to burn and destroy the Bible and everyone who would disseminate the Bible? The word of God yet stands forever. And the word of God is what we have to believe. But these are written, it says, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. God didn't give us all the details. It says it right there. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. And you can read the story there where he showed himself to them again. It says in verse 25 of the last chapter of the book of John, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Now we're running out of time here. We have so much more to look at. We'll just do what we can do and be done. Acts chapter one, it says the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive. Listen carefully. Here's your evidences to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. <clears throat> I seem to recall saying that that uh, mistakenly saying that that passion, that the phrase passion of Christ wasn't biblical. It's right there in the Bible. So if you've heard me say that, I was dead wrong. And anytime you find something in the Bible that I say the opposite of, I'm the one that's wrong. Lord, forgive me for that mistake, for that error. Thank you for correcting me, Lord, in Jesus' name. So it says, by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. 40 days they saw Jesus. 40 days they handled him. The first John says, that which we have seen, that which we have heard, that which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled to the word of life. I probably didn't quote that right. I know some of you know it, and you're probably... Thinking, what a mess he is. But our hands have handled that which we have seen and looked upon, and our hands have handled that which we have heard of the word of life. And the life was manifested. 
the life was manifested. He showed himself alive. And the Bible says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Now that you can go through and see the rest of that down through um, verse 11, through the ascension of Christ. But there again is Jesus Christ being seen by all these for 40 days. In Acts chapter 9, Jesus Christ bodily appeared to Saul of Tarshish on the road to Damascus, saved him and made him his apostle in the room of Judas Iscariot, 1 Corinthians um, 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five. 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. Here, Paul tells us that Christ showed himself alive by certain infallible proofs. He was seen of over 500 at once. Some people would say, how come everybody didn't see Jesus when he came back? Because nobody wanted to. Nobody wanted Christ. They said, crucify him. Him, Jesus coming back from the dead was their worst nightmare because it meant judgment. And that's where we find the wrath of God that, we, that will come in our study of 1 Thessalonians and throughout the end times. Now, um, let's tie this all together real quick and close. Um, them also which sleep in Jesus, it says in our text, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus. Back in the Old Testament, Manasseh slept with his fathers. Hezekiah slept with his fathers. David slept with his fathers. Uh, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was one of the worst curses to Israel there ever was, slept with his fathers. They used this terminology. The author that God used to write the word of God by inspiration of the Holy Ghost use slept with their fathers over and over again to mean death. So here he says, even so them also which sleep in Jesus. So this is talking about the dead in Christ. Uh, there's a song that says on that um, glad and glorious morning when the dead in Christ shall rise. That's where we get that phrase. The dead in Christ, these that sleep in Jesus. Now this is not sleeping in the earth. This is not some kind of body going to sleep soul going to sleep and being locked in the earth or something like that. This is they that sleep in Jesus, not in the earth, not in the dust, not in the dirt, but in Jesus. And where did we say that? Where did we read that Jesus is today? Where did we read in the ascension of Christ that he went up and sat at the right hand of the father? Hebrews 12, two also says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the father. Where are Christians who die in the Lord? They are in Jesus seated with Christ at the right hand of the father in heavenly places, waiting for the resurrection of their physical bodies. We don't even have time. I wanted to do the whole chapter of first Corinthians 15 and we're already out of time. You can read it. It explains this in detail, what this resurrection is. Maybe if the Lord tarries and gives us leading, we'll go through it. But it says the next part of our verse, 1 Thessalonians 4.14, will God bring with him? Go to the book of Jude and Lord willing, we'll close right there. So God brought up Jesus from the dead. Everyone who is saved is in Christ. Jesus said, they that believe in me shall never taste death, never die, never perish. And so those that are born again, saved by the blood of the crucified one are in Christ. And when they, when their body dies, their spirit immediately flies to Christ and is in Christ. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Where is your loved one who was a born again Christian who died in Christ in heaven right now? In Christ, by the way, being in Christ is a lot bigger deal than being in heaven. And there they are in Christ right now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in Jude verse 14, and Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these saying, behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000s of his saints. And here in our text, first Thessalonians 4, 14, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Will God bring with him? 
How are, how are they coming back? They're coming back in Christ. Where are they at today? They're in Christ. And where are they going? Where, where are they going to be? They're going to come back with Christ. Being in Christ, they will go with Christ. Praise the Lord when he returns. This is the hope that we have. As we look at the rest of these verses in Thessalonians, we'll find this to be um, held out, that um, held true all the way through. When Jesus Christ returns bodily to the earth, we'll read more about it later. When Jesus Christ returns bodily to the earth, the saints will be in him and with him. But guess what? The Bible says that the dead in Christ will rise. We're going to get to that. It's coming. Go to 1 Thessalonians real quick. Let's just read over it and be done. Just read over these verses. I know we're out of time. 1 Thessalonians 4. It says here, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Praise the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this blessed hope. We thank you for the fact of the resurrection of Christ, the death of Christ, but also the resurrection of Christ. We worship you and we praise you and we look forward to your coming with grateful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.